everybody, this is Clover Chat, brought to you by the University of Minnesota Extension and the Minnesota 4-H State Ambassadors. This podcast was created to showcase all of the great opportunities and activities 4-H has to offer. Our podcast will include stories and interviews with 4-H members and alumni, information about 4-H opportunities, and we will also chat with some 4-H experts. Hello everyone and welcome to season four of Clover Chat. My name is Lacey and along with my fellow state ambassadors, Ali and Ibrahim, we are your hosts for this season. We are excited for the season. We have a variety of great episodes coming up. On today's episode, we are thrilled to be chatting with Rachel, who is a Minnesota Forge alumni and she was also a Minnesota state ambassador. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about your 4-H experience? Uh, I grew up in Stevens County and then Douglas County uh, and had the joy of participating in 4-H there. Um, I uh, was involved with my club um, on the county level, um, Was had the opportunity to do a lot of youth leadership programs. Uh, my projects were often like self-determined citizenship, clothing, a uh, wide variety there. Uh, and I really loved being a camp counselor. Um, as well as then at the state level being a state ambassador, doing state arts in a couple of summers. Um, So really, really benefited from and enjoyed the youth leadership programs at all all various levels of local, regional, state level. Um, And then later national level at Citizenship Washington Focus as a a program assistant. Um, So really enjoyed 4-H both for the, you know, the memories and the friendships but also the really practical skills uh, that I learned, um, you know, from from public speaking to learning how to take a project from beginning to end um, and and other practical skills like that. So it was it was a nice combination of just fun, but also really, really useful skills development. Which project category do you feel like helped you the most? Like that you're most fond of? Yeah, I I really enjoyed youth leadership as a project area, right? Is that an entire category? Okay, I'm tr- I'm trying to remember these details. Um, so I feel like those projects were the most fun. Um, I also really enjoyed self determined projects because they could be, they were just an opportunity to pursue you know my passion, whatever they were. Um, so yeah, I would say it's terms of projects. Those are probably the categories, uh, but I think the experiences were probably uh, more meaningful to me as I've as I've gotten older because I don't remember all the details of the projects, but I definitely remember all all of the memories, spending time with people and, and and doing projects as part of a team. So what was it like when you were a state ambassador, and what years were you a state ambassador? Oh no, what years was I a state ambassador? <laughs> oh, I should know that. 2007-ish? Around there? Oh, which is a while ago now. So um, when I was a state ambassador, it involved you know doing the regional retreats like Blue, um, the statewide yellow conference. Um, this, of course, living and working at the state fair. Um, so yeah, doing a lot of the conferences, doing the state fair. I also have memories of, of driving all over the state for other kind of smaller events. And I don't remember the details of those, but I do remember driving in my um, rather old car 
all over the state and meeting a lot of uh, new and different people from across the state. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of um, shenanigans, but there was also a, like an astonishing level of professionalism that um, for youth that I think was a really fabulous experience and really set the bar high for, you know, my work experiences after that. So why did you want to become state ambassador? Like what really stood out for you? I think that it was a an opportunity to build on that youth leadership experience. Um, I think I had been a camp counselor and really enjoyed that, really enjoyed leading and facilitating activities. And being a state ambassador was an opportunity to, to keep doing that. I mean, like singing camp songs and doing workshops and, um, you know, structuring activities. Um, it was an opportunity to keep on doing that kind of work, which was really fun and really uh, meaningful. Yeah, so um, I, I'm Ibrahim. I'd just like to talk about a little bit of that historical curriculum that you're currently creating. J just tell us about it. Like, what is it and how did you come upon creating something like that? So I, I think you might be talking about a, a day camp curriculum that I worked on um, in, in Douglas County. Um, that's a really great example of a project that like I was excited about history. I loved leading camp and wanted to do something combined. Uh, and because of 4-H, I had, you know, the skills to do that, but also like the resources and people who were really supportive. Um, and so I got to bring that to fruition. And we had kids, um, you know, come to the day camp and learn about history in what I wanted to be a really fun and engaging way that wasn't stale, but it was about like doing activities and wearing fun hats and like doing games. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the history, kind of a little history curriculum that I did um, and was an early example of what I would come to learn to be public history, which is uh, where I kind of made my career, which is doing history in a way that engages with the public in a meaningful way. And that was a really early example of that. Yeah. So like, it, sorry if I'm getting kind of specific, but what like, what exactly was the history curriculum about if you, as much as you can remember? So there were themes. So it'd be like one week would be or maybe it was one day. I don't remember if it was a day or a week of focused activities. Like, so it'd be like Victorian era. And we went to like the local historical society that was, you know, focused on, you know, the early 20th century. And we'd take a tour of the house and then um, we would, you know, do a, like a hat activity that I seem to really remember um, where we would like be learning historical information as we were like passing hats around in a circle um, and then we would, oh, I remember like we did a like square dancing one time, <laughs> um, man. Yeah, there was, does that give you an example of some of the activities? Um, so there, there are ways to be like, to like move your body and to be interested, but also you were like learning historical information at the same time was kind of the idea. Yeah, so, like, have you ever thought about expanding this curriculum, like, maybe past 4-H and into certain, like, maybe not exactly schools, but a lot of different, like, other day camps past 4-H? That's a cool question. Um, I actually did recently have an opportunity to, to share the curriculum or, or sell the curriculum, and in reviewing it now, however many decades later, apparently, it's been decades, um, and having gone into history and gotten a degree in history, I 
there are elements of it I would change that were maybe could be more historically a little more rooted in history, a little bit more uh, in exploring the nuances of history rather than kind of a, a gamified version of history. Um, but I, I still love the essence of the project. Um, so whether I would, I, I don't, I don't know. That's a great question. That's something I could do <laughs> maybe, but I think what I have done is uh, really um, been able, had the opportunity to engage in other projects that have, uh, engaged history in a way that was relevant to the audience at hand, um, which is really the same spirit of the day camp. So like, what are the needs of a specific audience, a specific community? Um, and how can I uh, be kind of work in partnership with that community or that audience to use, his use history and apply history meaningfully um, and not in a stale, useless way, but in a fun, invigorating, meaningful way? Yeah, so... That this should be the last one but so when you're talking about making history more enjoyable and like applying it to real life how does one go about that obviously of course you're you're very educated in history how do you make it so people don't just you know learn it and then forget it a couple months later how do you make it that it sticks and that they use it outside of school or just for it that's a great question uh i think this goes back to something that, again, I learned in 4-H as a state ambassador, as a youth leader, which is meeting folks where they are at. Like, folks already know history. Folks already know their past. People already, everyone knows something about the past or something about the past is meaningful to them on an individual and collective level. Um, so it's, it's not so much needing to bring history to the people, but looking where people are at and trying to engage in a meaningful way where they're at. So I'm thinking of like leading an, an event, right? As an ambassador, it's not trying to get everyone on board. We're going to do this thing. It's like, Hey, where are we at right now? Let's, let's move forward from where we're at. What's, what are our needs right now? Like if it's right before lunch and everyone's hungry and hangry, this is not the time to do like a chill, sit down, thoughtful, reflective time. It's like time to like I don't know. It depends. Maybe I should think about after lunch. After lunch, it's time to like run around and do something exciting. Um, you know, there are certain times of the day where you sit down and do the more reflective work, right? So it's just a, a question of meeting folks where they're at so that it's not trying to bring history to the public, but engaging where the public already already is and trying to make that engagement more meaningful. So what is your current career? Like, what do you do and how did 4-H assist in getting you there? Yeah. So right now I, um, so I'm a public historian. I do consulting work. So right now I'm doing a lot of research for the National Park Service. Um, and then I also teach um, at DePaul University in Chicago. Um, and so 4-H uh, taught me how to teach. Um, and really, once I stopped thinking about teaching as lecturing, and once I started thinking about teaching as leading a workshop for 4-H, I became a way better teacher. <laughs> um, so in that sense, 4-H brought a lot of skills to bear. Um, and then as a, as a consultant, I do a lot of project-based work. Um, and I mentioned before that 4-H is really where I learned how to see a project through to multiple stages, how to engage necessary stakeholders when necessary, um, and furthermore, to make sure that that project is applicable, is useful. Um, so this research for the National Park Service is being put to use by someone who's asking for that to be done. Um, 
and is being done for, for a public agency. So that's one example that I think in which we're doing history to meet, to meet a public need. Um, so that skills in both of those areas of my career have been, are really rooted in 4-H and my experience in 4-H. Researching Rachel Boyle and who you are, Omnia History, can you tell us something about that? Yeah, so Omnia History is the name of, of, the, of the consulting um, collaborative. Uh, it's, really a, it's really an umbrella at the moment for a lot of different projects, a lot of different collaborations with different folks. Um, certainly uh, doing consulting and research is part of that. Um, I've also done more community-oriented projects, um, done some digital history projects, um, done, engaged in writing for the public, engaged in doing public seminars uh, for a public audience as opposed to teaching for un just undergraduates, teaching for uh, teachers, teaching for um, adults interested in education. So it's really a wide umbrella. And the, the idea is, especially when, um, when we created it, it was, the idea at the time was to really use the past to promote social change. So the idea is that history is not neutral. History is not um, stale, to go back to an earlier theme, uh, but history is is a tool and should be used uh, uh, for social change and should not be, should be wielded um, responsibly in that, in that manner um, and to be really explicit about that mission and everything that we do. Can you tell us what your favorite memory in 4-H is? Man, I miss the dances. <laughs> I miss the dances so much. Do you guys still do dances? Is that still a thing? Do you like dance in the pig barn? What is oh, yes. Yes. We did it in the cow show arena this year where the horses warm up. That was very fun. Oh, that's awesome. There are just like not enough opportunities in our society to dance. <laughs> um, so yeah, dancing for sure. I think the dances were by far my most favorite part. I mean, as in addition to all the wonderful skills development, um, <laughs> uh, the dances were just fun and I miss that. What would you say like, when it, come, when it came to you being a state ambassador, if you could like, you know, urge, you know, us now 2023, 2024 state ambassadors, what one thing during your year could you like give to us as like a sign of wisdom to like make sure we take full advantage of? I think maybe to savor savor the friendships that you build and also embrace the opportunity to meet people from you know across the state and even across the country who you wouldn't otherwise meet. Um, you know, it can be easier as one becomes older to be, to surround oneself by people, by kind of a similar group of people. And the opportunity, I think, in 4-H to meet new people and to build friendships with people outside of your immediate circles is a tremendous opportunity. So both like fostering the friendships you have, but also being just willing to, to meet new people and foster friendships there, I think is just um, a really tremendous aspect of the ambassador program that is just kind of built into it. And I think that's really cool and, and should be cherished. Your national 4-H experience, um, could you share more about that and like what you were 
involved in through that? Sure. Uh, I was involved in, I went to the National 4-H Conference one year, um, and then I served as a program assistant for Citizenship Washington Focus for two years. Uh, and yeah, that just, that just the, the part that I was talking about meeting, meeting folks, um, that just escalated even more at a national level, meeting folks from across the country, from um, rural areas, from urban areas, from East Coast, the West Coast, South, the North, uh, just really was a, was a fabulous um, experience, especially doing it in DC and having everyone come together in that location um, was, was a tremendous experience as well. And it kind of was, it was kind of like leveling up the ambassador experience in some ways. Um, but it, uh, and, and just in terms of the, the reach of folks that you got to meet on a daily basis was pretty, pretty tremendous. Where did you go to school and how did you determine what you needed to do in school to get where you are today? Mm. Yeah, so I um, I went to McAllister um, College for undergrad uh, in the Twin Cities, and I knew I wanted to do something with history. Uh, and um, because, you know, so I think of, you know, in 4-H, right, you have to set your goals and, you know, the like the record books you do at the end of the year where you reflect on your year and you think about what you want to do next. I fully did that just myself in my first year of school and like came up with a three ring binder that was like, I want to be a history professor. This is the steps I need to take. Here's my five-year plan. My 10-year plan was kind of um, aggressive in <laughs> making that plan. Um, and that's how I knew I uh, wanted to go to grad school. I went to Loyola University in Chicago, got my degree in history and public history. And from there realized that academia was, um, did not have the applied element that I so loved about 4-H um, and enjoyed about that curriculum. And so I, I went a direction of, of public history where I could kind of, again, use this project-based work um, in a way that utilized kind of the academic side of history, but did it in a public setting. Um, so really use those same 4-H skills of, of goal planning and kind of making, seeing what the steps are to reach that goal, but also being willing to change that goal um, in order to be aligned with, with my values. So that's kind of how I ended up from, from 4-H to making a career in public history. Is there anything else you would like to share or feel like we should know? I think it's really tremendous that you are where you're at, that you're in the ambassador program, that you are uh, embracing new experiences. And I think that that really speaks well of, of you all. And I hope that you can continue to embrace that moving forward. Thank you, Rachel, for chatting with us. For our next episode, we will be interviewing Forage members from Alaska. Clover Chat is brought to you by the number four, the letter H, and the color green. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. See you next time. Minnesota 4-H is a youth development program of the University of Minnesota Extension and is for youth in kindergarten through one year past high school. 4-Hers participate in hands-on learning experiences, STEM, leadership and civic engagement, animal science, creative arts, and so much more. To learn more about 4-H, please visit z.umn.edu slash 4-h